seven. Cash. The lanterns were human. The atmosphere of their station by the wolf mouth was indeed breathable, thin with a metallic ozone tang, and there was so little sound that Sif and Torsten could hear their own breathing as they looked out on a wide surface of impossibly featureless bright white that stretched, then stopped at the stars. The surface of the Lantern space station looked like a simulation, a bright white plane that cuts to galactic black. The distance to this horizon was hard to gauge, and both Sif and Torsten again asked one another, can we be sure that this is real? So they shuffled around. They used their boots. The surface was ceramic and could be scuffed. Then, as Torsten tried to estimate just how large all this was, the profound simplicity of a flat plane jutting into the swooning vertigo of deep space. It was like an empty stage set, a perfect beginning. And after his light sickness, all that sadness choking his mind, Torsten could really use a new beginning and just wanted to stare. Sif let go of his hand and walked ahead and then around the crouching form of Thimble Winter and stopped. For a moment she was speechless. Then, Torsten, you've got to see this. Perspective. Viewpoint. They had only been looking out from the far edge, which was what was visible from Thimble Winter's cargo doors. The main structures of the space station itself were waiting on the other side of the ship. Magnificent, said Sif. Absolutely incredible. Gods, said Torsten. Well done, you lanterns, said Sif. Good effort. The white plain, itself landscape geographic in its scale, stretched to a cluster of high structures larger than even the Afro-Imperial skyscrapers of Finfinni. These slanting towers amplified a first Earth city's monumental spirit to a sublime presence. Who in the seven hells had built all this? Giants? Some structures were blank concrete, others glass-sided and seemed to contain tower gardens, still more were dull silver or were a glistening black with a few crimson bars like windows. Great mechanisms all connected and arranged at apparently random angles. Trying to count these was like trying to unpick a drift of sticks. Everything had a greyish, smoky look to it, like a painting and the scale defied reality and lent the structure's deep silence a haunted majesty. And still there was more, and here a sense of marvel turned to terror. Beyond the lantern's spectacular architecture, up where the stars rose bright and apparently eternal, rotated the slow churn of gravity's inferno, the very craw of the wolf's mouth. This is how stars died, 
and yet the lanterns had it here, guarding and possibly even sustaining them. How in twenty heavens did all this come to be? asked Sif. I don't know, said Torsten. This is way beyond regular human vacuum engineering. And yet look at it. Torsten, do you think it was built with those odd machines that they have? You mean computers? Yes. Well, it must be, said Torsten. I've never seen anything like it. Sif asked, if the lanterns can do this, then why don't more people use computers? Torsten said, it's because the AIs hate them. Talking of which, Sif snorted, pointing to the great towers. I bet the teacher bird and the tall girl are already up there making mayhem. Well, they're probably being a bit more discreet than that, said Torsten. As an officer of the sea people, the tall girl will be grabbing up as much intelligence as she can. Our good have a real boner for this lot. That could be the making of her, said Sif. I do hope so, because she had seemed so lost. You felt that? asked Torsten. Oh, absolutely. We've talked. She was at the ragged end of some kind of tether long before the Rari attack. Torsten thought of the tall girl. To him, she had not seemed lost at all. Very far from lost, in fact. But he did not share this feeling with Sif. He said, the teacher bird is probably riding along out of sheer curiosity. To take what might not be nailed down, asked Sif. Well, look at it all, said Torsten. Can you blame the nasty little beast? Do you think that there's anyone home? That's hard to tell. There are far smaller versions of these towers in the big cities back on First Earth. They are homes to the wealthy. On the outside at least, from a distance they always seem quiet, uninhabited. But you just know that a lot is happening inside. Much drama. Again Torsten looked at the great plain. It was wide and long enough to take multitudes. A whole population, in fact. After the close quarters of Thimble winter, however luxurious, this stark expanse was exhilarating. A meditation, almost. It was a thought space that evoked existence on a grand scale. Generally, the last thing that you ever found in space was space. You're always locked tight in your suit or ship. Tight in yourself. Your smell. The lanterns were formidable makers and clearly knew about freedom. Also, we're wide open to the stars, said Torsten. How can we even breathe? There must be a field architecture, said Sif. Gods, but that would be an incredibly energy-hungry project to keep up and running. Where would all that power come from? Sif raised an eyebrow and pointed up to the wolf mouth. Oh, impossible, said Torsten. No, said Sif. I think that is exactly what is happening. Then a small voice calmly announced, Massive field architecture detected. Torsten and Sif spanned to the sound and reached for weapons that they did not have. 
but it was just the little box. A mild tone, no real colour to the voice. The tool drone had joined them. Sif and Torsten quickly relaxed. Running full-spectrum field analysis, said the tool drone. Please be patient. Sif nodded at the floating machine and quietly asked Torsten, Do you think he was getting lonely? Torsten shrugged. Whoever knows with these things. Analyzing, said the tool drone. Then, this is a full-spectrum containment effects system running on a power grid that I do not recognize. But it's human, asked Sif. Undeniably, its organizational principle is anthropomorphic, scaled from standard human bodily proportions. I like that, said Sif. This technology is both culturally divergent and extremely powerful, said the tool drone. Are you taking notes? asked Sif, because I really think that you should. Yes, said the tool drone, and if there was any way to communicate my findings, then several schools of high-energy physics would already be on the way to formalising profound new theoretical principles. You can't get a message out, asked Torsten. Is this sector jammed to our communication networks? Very much so, said the tool drone. Torsten paused to look at the towers and the plane. Then he asked, OK, how does your initial analysis measure up to what you saw of the Rari object? Measure up? Do you think that the people who built all this have a fighting chance against a Rari attack? The tool drone paused, then, yes, absolutely they could fight. Clever ship, Sif patted the shark black hull of Thimble Winter. You knew that this was here, and so ran our enemies to the castle keep. Now it is the Rari who'd better watch out. May I ask about the people who built this? Asked the tool drone. You may, said Torsten. But there are few certain answers. Very well. May I now ask, where are the rest of the crew? The same, I'm afraid, said Torsten. Again, I have very few certain answers. But I think you must have already guessed that about the teacher bird. At the mention of the teacher bird, the tool drone responded with a weird little hum. Interesting, thought Torsten. Come on, let's have a look around, said Sif. The city can't be that far. Torsten asked the tool drone, do you see any threats? Right now, the field that we are within could, if it so chose, pick us apart and turn us into anything it liked. That's what's happening to Thimble Winter, asked Torsten. Remote repair and upgrade. I am certain of it, Sif and Torsten. It is very likely that this part of the lantern vacuum structure is a massive effector panel. It is both a shipyard and a surgeon's operating table. A site of bright new beginning and potentially gruesome endings also. Torsten again thought of transformation and pilgrimage. It was cleansing to feel so small and yet have your mind roam so large. But the effector is not changing us, asked Torsten. Not as far as we know replied the tool drone. Enough, said Sif. Onward.
once more Torsten looked at the main structure of the Lantern space station. The towers appeared as vaulting and very knowing realms of darkness and adult sophistication. And so Sif and Torsten began to walk. The tool drone came along, hovering above them as a watchful presence. Sif and Torsten were no longer holding hands, so Torsten liked the little drone being there with them. It was like walking with a hound, with the tool drone being a normalising connection between Sif and himself. Now and then Sif nodded at the tool drone, like she found its earnest presence rather amusing. Torsten supposed that this well-intentioned and useful machine was a welcome foil to the teacher bird's weirdness and only half-playful malevolence. And despite it being apparently unarmed, Torsten felt the tool drone to be the rather safer travelling companion. Soon, the black, chimeric shape of Thimble Winter was tiny behind them, and yet the lantern's tower city seemed no closer. Sif had brought along a leather shoulder bag containing day provisions. Both she and Torsten felt starved after the sickness of light space and so they sat down and shared the loaf, butter and salt fish, plus two medium flasks of wine. To Torsten it felt strange to be eating here. Also, with the food and drink now inside him, it felt pretty good. This is quite the spot for a picnic, he smiled. Sif shrugged. Why should these lanterns think that we're afraid? We are hungry, so we shall eat. Torsten raised his wine to the rough direction that the Rari ship would be appearing from and toasted, All hail, the vicious enemy. Sif raised her own drink towards the lantern structures and toast you too, you dreadful horrors who have done me no harm at all. May you take our greetings straight up all your very mysterious and quite possibly unwashed backsides. Well, you'd make quite the Viking said Torsten. Now let's not be insulting, laughed Sif. The tool drone settled down between them. Would you like that vodka chilled? There's vodka, gaped Torsten. Well, said Sif, I knew that you'd swig down the wine fast enough. She took out a clear flask of the spirit. It was Pol Imperial, flavoured with wild strawberry, and held it up to the tool drone. Thank you, my friend. The tool drone nodded and flexed a field. The vodka bottle instantly frosted and Sif poured the glutinous spirit into Torsten's empty flask. How do I look? asked Sif, smoothing her hair out so that it fanned and fell over her shoulders. Very beautiful, said Torsten, surprising himself, not least because she was. A Viking is always visually charismatic, announced Sif. A people of the sea and the scene. Then she jumped up on her feet and raising her voice to address Torsten and quite probably the entire speckled path. And through these hunters' eyes all worlds are made magical and alive. We step through a wilderness and being wild ourselves find it bright with creatures everywhere. Torsten raised his vodka and they again toasted the day. Then Sif hopped back down to sit leaning into Torsten and adding with heavy sarcasm, all part of the honourable legacy that I know Torsten reveres so very much. 
Yes, of course, laughed Torsten. Plus, the alcohol helps. It certainly does, Torsten. As with so many other fond traditions, she refilled their flasks. Again, they toasted the great speckled path that rose up all around them. Those uncounted stars of paradise and just as many cauldrons of damnation. Torsten drank and then sat back. Resting easy, he squinted at Sif as if he was evaluating an illustration of a heroic folkloric apparition. Her loose hair, her bright eyes. Sif was coming alive within the true, rude democracy of a free-booting voyage. And here they were, lounging in good cheer and vanity on the enemy's own field. It is poetic to take pleasure in the sudden shadows of our final moments. You've let down your hair, said Torsten. Now you need to read out some lines of verse. Sif raised one finger, then lowered her head and began to recite ancient Norse. These were words that were largely meaningless to Torsten and came from one of the primal myths. The deep and seriously ugly stuff, before the later, more literary sagas cleaned all that up. But recite didn't do Sif justice. Her performance was an immersion. Sif's normal voice, generally as pleasing as sunlight across water, became guttural. She was relishing the heavy grain of these words. Here was the starship's voice, hot and ancient and quite certain in its deep, damned infamy. Here was the hard laughter of a crimson ocean. Here was a dawn's first reckoning, burned in the face of this young woman. Sif was framed by the blankness of the pilgrim's plain and the velvet depth of the continuant starfields. Torsten was sure that at that moment no one in the whole speckle path carried the shining eyes of the mind ocean's darkness quite like Sif looking at him. You're perfect at this, said Torsten. But tell me, Sif, are you just playing? That is what we do, Sif told him. We play as heroes once did. We play. And now we finish this day's adventure, asked Torsten. She nodded and looked up with a smile that did not meet her eyes. Maybe we could go back to Thimble Winter, said Torsten. It might be safer. There is no value in slavery, Sif quoted, or escape from fear. But battles, stark alarms, said Torsten, remembering the line from God's New Where. But battles, stark alarms, yes. That encounter with the Rari changed me, Torsten. I loved it. Every brutal, terrifying moment of it. Did you not see me, Torsten? I jumped through a wall in more ways than one. Yes, Torsten had seen that. He had seen this clone folk woman named Sif jump through a wall, and in that moment he had not seen a slave. Then Sif said, Battle is truly the first love that I have ever known. 
Torsten felt electricity run through him, and with the words of battle still on her lips, Sif held his gaze and asked, Torsten, will you join me there? As they walked, Torsten, still happy from the drink, became ever more interested in the lantern towers. They were a little closer now, but still there was a long march ahead. What was the tower's population? Was the entirety of the lantern peoples housed within this fastness? And if this plane was itself a colossal maker platform, then what were those towering radiator-like structures? Were they even more powerful weapons? And the use of the wolf mouth made more and more sense as an energy source. The only question being, please, in eight hells, how are they doing it? Look, Torsten, said Sif, there's something ahead. He stopped walking and looked over to the area that Sif was pointing at. There appeared to be a smudge of materials arranged ahead of them, only now visible, as the tower structure became less foreshortened. What's that? said Torsten. A stone garden? Possibly. It's hard to imagine anything out here being an accident. I can investigate, said the tool drone, beginning to float up. No, Sif said. Not quite yet. Stay easy, my friend. Let us not betray our curiosity. And so Sif and Torsten walked in silence to find not a stone garden, more a random arrangement of broken, curved tiles. The majority were crimson and appeared ceramic. Was this armour? Broken statues? They were ranked in ragged rows that were apparently unstudied in their arrangement. Should we stop and take a look at this? asked Torsten. I think we better, said Sif. Beside all the scare stories, what do we actually know of the lanterns so far? Very little, admitted Torsten. Then let's give this odd business a minute or two, shall we? Torsten nodded and then crouched down, speculating that the arrangement could possibly have been generated by a local effect of the field architecture that surrounded them. He picked up a broken tile. It was smooth with a density that intrigued him. Torsten imagined that whatever these had been broken from, that original structure would have been very hard to take apart. Another ruin, he thought, and just look where the last one led us. Not the ruin of a ship, rather the harbinger, the fight that was still far from over. And then a darker thought, one from First Earth. Torsten remembered the small improvised arrangements that marked the death of pilgrims and adventurers who had fallen along their routes. Could nature have made this? asked Sif. Because there is nature here, of a kind. I can feel it. I think I know what you are looking at, said the tall drone. Allow me. Sif and Torsten both nodded, and rather than beginning a material analysis as they'd expected, the tool drone floated straight up, smoothly reaching a decent height before pausing for a moment and then descending. It's language, said the tool drone, specifically a Nordic rune set. 
This was not good. Torsten felt that they were already too known to this eerie place, and standing up and stepping back, he could see it now. Diagonal arrangement of broken pieces, although ragged, were now discernible across clear verticals. What does it say? asks Torsten. It's a non-standard usage, said the tool drone. I'm guessing a novice speaker attempting meaning with limited resources. One of the lanterns did this. Yes, this is very good mimicry of your people's ancient ceremonial language. The elements of the set do not fall within international variants or common errors. Sev looked again at the arrangement of pieces, intuiting something more. A child made this, she asked. Almost certainly, said the tool drone, judging from the scatter patterns. What does it say? asked Torsten. I can only approximate the message. Best guess, then. I believe it says, bring us back. Almost immediately, Sif whispered her own translation of the message. Save us. Then, Torsten, I think that someone out here needs our help. Okay, Torsten thought. Now we've really run into trouble. Maybe the teacher bird and the tall girl had seen this message and then, taking the suits, set off on a rescue patrol. Well, yes, except that that had clearly not happened. The weight of responsibility now fell upon Torsten and Sif, who were weaponless and far from Thimblewinter. Save us? If anything bad happened, or if the lanterns now appeared, how could Sif and he save themselves? Then the tool drone floated slowly forward to a space beyond Sif and Torsten. There it emitted a delicate cloud of blue mist. This spray apparently aimed towards nothing but thin air. The mist settled and became the shape of a hooded child. The colouring agent, as if rejected by the cloak's material, dispersed, creating a slot where two closed eyes were now facing Sif and Torsten. The closed eyes floated like the tool drone itself, and although unseeing, stared straight back at them. Seven hells, thought Torsten. He could guess the tech, but the effect was disconcerting. The child was cloaked in diffraction armour, the best that Torsten had ever encountered. Invisibility fabrics generally glitched and caught fire. It was one of those crafts that were simply not meant to be. And those live, floating eyes chilled Torsten to his core. There was primal fear to be found in regarding eyes, even closed eyes without a face, and these possessed a quality of stillness that seemed entirely without the spark of humanity. At last they were in the presence of a member of the lanterns, and a child at that. Hello, said Sif in Latin Universal, crouching down and smiling at the child. I'm Sif, and you're a very clever one. Can I see my new friend, please? 
At her soft words, a smile reached across the child's now downcast eyes. He was male, Torsten was guessing, and the mask and the hood were pulled away so now the head of a fair-haired boy of about ten years floated in front of the still-smiling Sif. He didn't look too different to a Norse child, except that his eyebrows were darker and heavier than would be expected. Smoky grey eyes when they opened, smoky like the look of his people's high towers. And a little wild. He appeared well-nourished and tanned for a station-dweller. Handsome parents, Torsten imagined. Decent medicines, and yes, money. That's better, said Sif. Now, please tell me, what is your name? Instead of answering, the little boy closed his eyes again, then opened them, although he now looked down. He seemed very shy. The name of this place is irrelevant to you. I understand, said Sif, but we are travellers just passing through. I'm Sif. What is your name? The child seemed frozen then. My name is Miss Begotten. Excuse me, asked Sif. I am called Miss Begotten. Suddenly concerned, Sif glanced at Torsten, then asked, Is that your real name? Yes, the boy said blankly. Sif thought for a moment, then she said, Then I'm going to call you Kesh. Just for short, as we're friends now. Kesh means tree, and because there aren't any trees here, you'll do. Is that okay? I'm a tree? the little boy asked. Yes, because you look very strong, explained Sif. And if you were also wise, like a tree, then you'd agree. Kesh mulled what she said. Then he smiled. Torsten thought that the name suited the boy. So, hello, Kesh, said Sif. Are you here by yourself? Yes, like always. Sif shot another concerned glance to Torsten. Always? What child would say that he is always alone? And what sort of person would even think to name a child misbegotten? Then she asked, Would you like to meet my friend, Torsten? I don't know. Kesh stepped a little closer to Sif, not seeking her protection exactly, more making a statement about where his interests fell. As he moved, Kesh's armour began to uncloak. There were no flashes or animations. It was an efficient-looking dark khaki and seemed far more flexible than the suits Torsten had seen the colour army wearing. Torsten had absolutely never heard of practical fighting armour that was made for a child. He's really not very scary, Siv told Kesh, referring to Torsten. And do you see that little flying box? The robot? asked Kesh, not looking up. Yes, he's much the same as Torsten, just a little bit more useful. I'm sorry he had to squirt at you. The boy asked, what's that little tick-tock noise? I think our robot has been having a look at you. He's very probably decided that you're actually real. That I'm actually real? Kesh began to laugh, still not looking up. That's so silly. And here, Torsten had to remind himself that this outlandish place, the great white plain, the grey slanted towers, the wolf's mouth, was all this child's home. Kesh had probably grown up here, so who was Sif and he to tell the boy what was what? 
Silly, I know, Sif smiled back, but we had to check because we're new here. Now tell me, Cash, are you in any trouble? The boy said nothing. Glancing again at his armour, Sif tried another approach. Are your ma and pa here? Are they looking for you? Again, Cash said nothing. A very hard nothing, in Torsten's opinion. Sif stepped in closer. Cash, do you have a special job to do out here? He nodded. What's your job, Cash? Tell me all about it. Cash didn't answer Sif's question. Instead, he asked her, Have you ever encountered an alien? Encountered? That slow, precise speech. No, said Sif, not a real one. Have you? Cash asked Torsten with a toss of the head, not looking over. Well, I once saw something that aliens made, said Torsten. It was... odd. Cash shrugged and sniffed, as if to indicate that you're the odd one, mister. Then returned to Sif, he told her, you should run away from here. Why, Cash, what's going to happen? The bad aliens are going to come, and then I'm going to have to fight them. Just you? Yes. Wait, said Sif, not so fast. What's going on here, Cash? Is this a game? Is someone making you do this? Not a game, said Cash. But they said that this is the only way for us to survive and win. I am going to have to fight them. Listen to me, said Sif. Whatever anyone says, what these people want is absolutely, totally not going to happen. You are not fighting anyone as long as there is breath in these lungs. Then to Torsten she said, Get Thimblewinter here and see if she can find the others. Get the ship here. The situation was slipping away from Sif and Torsten. They needed backup and fast. Tall drone, you heard that, Torsten said. Also, weaponize your fields. Thimble Winter is offline, said the tall drone. Do you have maker files for small arms? asked Torsten. Yes. Can you cycle any materials here and make us two long guns? Yes, two long guns, but no more. Do it, please. Sections of the Pilgrim Plain ceramic surface then began to grain and float up as the tool drone started to manufacture the rifles. Sif asked Kesh, Tell me about the people who are making you do this. The little boy shook his head and Sif gently pulled Kesh closer and began to talk to the child. Their words were so quiet that Torsten could no longer hear the conversation. A tiny bead eased into Torsten's ear. The tall drone had floated down an audio device. It wanted to talk. Torsten whispered, What's going on with this poor kid? The tall drone told him, Torsten, despite appearances, he's blind. And that rune set, that message wasn't for us. This is a ritual site. Child you call Kesh is drugged, operating either on enhanced high-level psi or remote video feed to Neurolink. Skipper, we ought to step away. Ritual? asked Torsten. Blood sacrifice, ceremonial war. Skipper, this is 
a killing ground. Torsten saw that the ceramic long guns were almost ready, ammunition would be next, and Kesh was still talking. The boy had his hand on her arm as if sharing a secret. Sif frowned and edged closer. She wanted his whole story. Then, as clear and as close as the voice of the tool drone in Torsten's ear, he heard his own name. Then, we are the sea. Who said that? The first rise ship, a towering wedge of grey concrete, arrived with a sonic boom and a cascade of ice segments that made a thousand tiny pale rainbows as the containment fields first spasmed and then cut out. The brute box's pitiless, blunted, leading form loomed from across the great plain to face the towers of the lanterns and dwarf all that remained. Thank you.